This talk was recorded at the 2019 Actuarial Society of South Africa Convention at the Sandton Convention Centre. For more information on the Actuarial Society, visit actuarialsociety.org.za. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for coming. Um, I see that on the program the topic is uh, not put there. The topic is an actuary who is only an actuary is not an actuary. These words were spoken by Frank Reddington when accepting the gold medal from the Institute of Actuaries in 1968. And I think this is especially relevant um, in South African context today. In fact, um, the Actuary Society of South Africa has recognized this and appointed a public interest actuary, uh, Mr. Lusani Mlaudzi. Picking up from last year, where we unpacked the issues facing municipalities, we have invited the Department of Public Enterprises to unpack the challenges being faced by public enterprises as well as municipalities. Um, Sandy Limbiri at the ASACO conference held on the 12th of September stated that an actuary is a businessman who knows mathematics and not the other way around. And if we think of municipalities and public enterprises as businesses, what solutions can actuaries uh, offer? On the panel, I'll start with my far left. We have Mr. Isaiah Mtanga, Chief Economist at Alexander Forbes. Isaiah is in this position, he is responsible for formulating the macroeconomic strategy for the business, which entails identifying large-scale economic risks and opportunities that benefit the business, its clients and investment processes. Isaiah helps execute strategic objectives that are in line with the priorities of Alexander Forbes and drives outcomes-based investments internally and externally. He is a regular columnist for Business Day where he writes on microeconomic policy and financial markets developments that affect the investment landscape. Before joining Alexander Forbes, Isaiah was the senior economist at Rand Merchant Bank where he formulated microeconomic strategy by analyzing and focusing the global and domestic microeconomic economy. Prior to that, he was an economist at ABSA Capital and National Treasury senior economist for microeconomic policy. He started his professional career as an economist at the local office of the International Monetary Fund, where he was involved in economic trick modeling and monitoring of South African microeconomic and financial indicators. Isaiah has lectured undergraduate economics and econometrics at the University of Johannesburg. Isaiah is an executive board member at Kutuang Nong Center for Math, Science, and Technology, so he may as well be an actuary and is a trustee for Study Trust, both of which are non-profit organization helping learners from disadvantaged backgrounds obtain scarce skills required by the economy. Welcome, Isaiah. And then we, thank you. And then we have Khatato Takudi. He is the acting director general at the Department of Public Enterprises. He has been with the Department of Public Enterprises since 2012, has been responsible for SOC technical oversight, corporate management, and recently managed uh, management of socioeconomic impact programs. Prior to joining the public service, he was a head of aircraft systems acquisitions at Armaments Corporation of South Africa, SOC Limited, uh, that's AMSCO, 
He has also worked for Volkswagen South Africa and Daniel in engineering, operations, and business development functions. Academically, he holds a BSc engineering degree from the University of Witwatersrand, master's in business administration degree from the University of Cape Town, and postgraduate diplomas in project management and systems engineering from the University of Northwest. He has completed further studies in air transport management at the Royal Aeronautical Society, Gatsby Scholar at the Wolfson College, and policy management with the University of Singapore, Bikanyo School of Public Policy. Katato is married to Pride, and they have five children. So we have some bit of family background. Katato, if you could just give us a brief introduction and give us some background. Yes, please go ahead. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. And thank you for having me here. Um, as the memory has indicated, the original invitation was to my um, minister, Minister Pravin Godan. Uh, he's sending his apologies uh, for not being here this afternoon. Unfortunately, state business has taken him out of, uh, out of the country. Um, I must say it was one of, um, it was a rather a strange invitation um, uh, that we received from yourselves, because uh, I was wondering, why would the actuaries want to hear from politicians and, um, and public servants? Um, I was last in university uh, quite a while back, but when I was there, some of the f smartest people that I knew were starting to be actuaries. Um, and um, as some of you may recall, then you had those classes where you hardly struggled to find a seat, because there were so many people enrolled on those programs. Um, those people are now your politicians and public servants. <laughs> so um, I'm wondering whether this should not be the other way around, where rather we come here to listen to you, um, to tell us uh, what is it that we should be doing right. Because there's a lot of things in the last 25 years of our democracy that we have tried. Um, in the beginning, things went rather well, um, at least during the first uh, three uh, administrations. But in the, in the last two, Things have not gone that well, and we are now in the sixth one, and things are looking even more grave. And that has to make us ask a question um, that, um, you know, what is the underlying uh, challenge that we are sitting with? Why are things not getting better? From my own experience, when I went um, uh, to, to Parliament and to NEDLAC as part of my uh, role within the department. And invariably, one of the issues that came up was, uh, was ESCOM. And we came out and we said, the system is rather tight, but we should be OK for the summer. As all of you have come to experience in the last week, that has not materialized. So it's it invariably has to, we have to ask questions because all these institutions that we have oversight over are run by people. And we have to ask ourselves a question as to whether 
Have we deployed the best amongst us where it matters most? Because we know, I mean, this, um, whether it is the public service itself in terms of the policies that we expected to formulate and implement, whether it is the state-owned companies in terms of providing essential infrastructure to the economy, um, uh, that these roles cannot be taken for granted. So the question that comes up is why is it that we have not deployed the best amongst us into these positions? I've been asked to speak um, a bit on the, on the municipalities in terms of what should be done to solve the crisis that we have in municipalities. And all of us are quite well versed with what is wrong in the municipalities and what is the role that professionals like yourselves can play in helping to address that particular problem. And the point that I'm getting to, I've said a little bit about most of us as public servants and politicians, where will you find us on campus? But all of you know that um, that chap that you found in Standard 6 and you left in Standard 6 is now the mayor. of an area where you grew up. And we can complain as much as we want and we say things are not going well, things are not getting better. They will not get better if we do not have the best people we, we, that we have as a country deployed in the most essential parts of our system, be it on economic um, system, be it in basic services delivery system, whichever system that you can refer to. Things will not get better. And what compounds these problems is that we have not only deployed the West amongst us in terms of capability, but we have also deployed the West amongst us in terms of character. And some of you will ask, um, what has that got to do with the topic that this gentleman has been asked to comment and talk about? What I'm saying is that the, the challenges that we have, whether it is in municipalities, whether it is in government, even some of the corporations, both the public and private sector, it really amounts to that, that we have not taken the time to ensure that we have um, systems that checks that we get the best people in terms of integrity um, deployed to these positions. And we know what has been at quite extensively um, at the Zondo, uh, Zondo Commission. And I had the misfortune, unfortunately, of having to appear there myself to speak to some of the issues that happened at Denal, which I had oversight over. Now, that is a classic example um, from my side in terms of what can go wrong when you don't have the best people you can find deployed to an organization. Denel three years ago was an eight billion rent business. The margins were not great, but they were pointing in the right direction. The order book was healthy at about 30 billion rents. Um, as, as some of you uh, may know, Denel is an integrator of systems. So it does very little manufacturing itself. So what it does, it goes and buys various subsystems from various suppliers 
both in the country and in other parts of the world, but mostly from this uh, part, uh, part of the world. And there's about, for every job that we have in Denel, there's about six jobs that are maintained out in the defense and aerospace industry. We had, as a direct product of state capture, we had the board of uh, Denel getting changed in 2015, and around August, September 2015. Immediately, one of the first things that they did, they found something wrong with the leadership team that we had at, uh, at Denel, a team that had helped to create, to literally within a, a space of, of five years, double the revenues. They found something wrong with them. They chucked them out, they got their own people in, and they got interest as to who gets business from that. Now, Denel is a business that's very reliant on the banks to sustain it. It needs bank guarantees to be able to, to um, execute the order book that I've spoken to earlier. Now, when the bank saw that happening, the state capture unfolding, um, an entity linked to the Guptas getting about uh, what, is, what is a 10 billion rents contract out of denial without proper process being followed, they pulled their facilities. The bank guarantees started being pulled. Uh, loans started getting pulled. The business working capital dried up. Today, that business is last, the, last, the last financial year. 50% of the revenue is around 4 billion rands business today. Now, if you want to see what happens when you deploy the West people, you can find amongst yourselves, you can find it in Dina. Now, that is what we are having to unroll as the Department of Public Enterprises with the seven entities that we are responsible for. And by the way, we have 21 Schedule II entities, and we have, uh, and the last figure was around 750-odd entities across three levels of government. And one of the things that we are having to do is identify people who are doing wrong things in these businesses and, and get them out. We've, in the last 18 months, we've been able to to appoint new boards of directors at, this, at the entities that we are responsible for. We have gone through all seven of them. One of them, we have appointed an administrator. We have been able to get rid of executive directors that were implicated, some senior managers. But then I have a meeting like I just had now before I came here uh, with one of the entities. And the the CEO that we have brought in in an interim basis show me numbers, shows me that on average for spares, we're paying 10 times what the OEM catalog say we should be paying because we are using middlemen. And I say to her, you better go back to the business today and put all those people in procurement at home. So that's what has happened, the good people. We have placed the worst people we can find amongst us in very critical positions. And then we ask ourselves, why are things breaking down? Now it brings me to the, to the private sector, because all these issues that I'm speaking to did not happen. Um, you know, it's not a, a public service, a public entities game. The private sector is very much involved in the mess that we find ourselves in. Yesterday, you had ESCOM 
and Deloitte. You've heard about McKinsey. Um, you know, the I mean, the list is endless, literally. Almost all the, the auditing uh, companies have been, um, have been cited. Yeah, those of us who are in the positions we are in, we also know very prestigious law firms that we use these instruments to ensure that people that dared to push back against state capture are taken care of and they are pushed out of their jobs through these kangaroo courts overseen by very prestigious senior councils and, and the junior councils, whatever they call themselves. And that's what is happening. In, in, in the, in the, and now, if you are to ask me, what is it that the Oxford Society can do? The first thing that I have to say is, I have to say, I hope that you are not part of this project. I hope some of you are not involved in this. And if you are not, I hope some of you will avail yourselves to help us to solve these problems. Because these are very complex problems that we are having to deal with. And we need to get the best brains we can get to come and help us to solve these particular problems. And we have to get the best men and women in our society, I mean in terms of integrity, in terms of character, to come and help us to solve these problems. Because if we don't solve these problems, we are in trouble, good people. You know, South Africa, we have the problem of we think we are special, this exceptionalism. Um, let me tell you, I mean, uh, last week I was um, uh, uh, I engaged with countries from Eastern Europe. They are moving. They are moving. Ukraine was sharing us their plans in terms of reforming their state-owned entities. They mean business. They've understood that they have lost a lot of years. And they're saying if you're going to be an attractive destination for investment, we need to sort out our energy infrastructure. We need to sort out our rail infrastructure. All those uh, network uh, industries that help to get the economy going, we must sort them out. And they've said, how do we mobilize private capital to come in and help us out? That's what they're saying. They're saying we need to clean up our act with regard to pollution. We can't, if we want to be integrated into Europe, continue to operate the way that we have been when we are part of the Warsaw Pact countries. Now, this country needs to get its act together, um, especially if at least with regard to those countries that are in SADC, we are going to, to help um, to get the economy of, uh, on this part of the, uh, of the continent to be up and running. So that's really the message that I have um, prepared for yourselves uh, to say that that's what we are trying to do. We need help from organizations like yourself uh, uh, to, to help us to help this, this economy and others that are around us. We need your help when it comes to addressing the issues that we have at the municipal level. I'm not going to go much into them, but we all know them. We know the amount of debt um, that is being carried by municipalities uh, that uh, the likes of ESCOM are not able to, to recover from them. And we know the situation, instead of getting better in terms of collections, is actually getting worse. We know the level of poverty amongst our people. 
that um, um, even the free basic electricity and water that we have offered is not able to address that. We need innovative solutions. And I'm hoping to hear more from you in terms of what we can do and how we can partner together to solve this. Clearly, you have not done well in terms of coming up with solutions. Maybe we need to start sitting back and listening to yourself. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, in response to what Khatatso uh, has said, in response to what Khatatso has said, he has asked the question, why would actuaries want to hear from politicians and public servants? I think I'm going to open that up to the audience, but before I do that, Isaiah, when you think about what uh, has just been spoken, what would your response be when you hear the word, an actuary, the words, an actuary who is only an actuary is not an actuary? I'm also surprised why a, a person that studied the dismal science called economics is part of a, a discussion to try and understand why an actuary who is, not, who is just an actuary is not an actuary. But I guess uh, I, I'm one of those that tries to understand a lot of fields outside economics. So I do follow some developments, but by no means I don't understand exactly what actuaries do. Yes, you can number crunch, but society's problems are vast, which means they need more innovative solutions. If you look in the country currently, growth is very low, unemployment continues to rise, the healthcare system is in tatters if you look at uh, public health care systems, for reasons that were mentioned by Katato. But if you also look at the informal sector, it's quite big, not integrated with the, with the formal sector. You can even look in the pension fund industry, only 16 million people are catered for, and the rest is not catered for. How do you guys as actuaries use your technical abilities to make sure that those that are in the informal sector are safeguarded from an income point of view? Innovative solutions are required, which the skills you have. But I guess the underlying theme is, it's no longer going to be a single profession that is going to provide solutions for the country. It's an integrated way of solving problems. You need an actuary, you need an engineer, you need an economist, you need a marketing person to address a, a problem. But as long as there is this segregation of professions in terms of finding solutions, will continue to struggle because no individual, no matter how skilled they are, can come up with a complete solution to solve a problem. So the closer actuaries understand the social issues, the better they can come up with solutions. So for me, it would be if you concentrate only on the numbers and building models, which may be sometimes far removed from the actual problem because they don't take into account the social aspects, the behavioral aspects. I think a couple of years ago, the the awarding of a Nobel Prize in Behavioral Science within Economics is testament to that because it actually tries to address you know, the, how humans behave and as a result come up with solutions that can um, make society better. Perhaps actuaries need to put themselves closer to the behavioral aspects, come up with 
solutions that take into account how humans actually behave and not just deterministic um, way of solving solutions. So integrate with other fields and perhaps you can solve a lot of uh, society's problems. Thank you. We're quite fortunate that in the audience we have the current president of ASA and we hope he can answer the questions. Peter, <laughs> the question posed is why would actuaries want to hear from politicians and public servants? I'm here, Peter. I know you're looking for me. <laughs> we can have a mic, please. Yes, I do have the mic. Um, thank you, uh, Hatato and Isaiah. Um, I'm Rusani Muraudzi, the public interest actuary. I've got another title which I cannot say now. Um, the, Isaiah, thank you for your closing comment because that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, knowing how to do models or to model, um, if one doesn't understand the context very well, or, or certain contexts where we normally don't enter, then you won't solve the problems because the problems are out there. So if we don't um, face those problems on a daily basis, then the intelligence won't work. Um, the, the intelligence won't be there to solve those problems. So traditionally, we've been involved in insurance. And uh, the insurance industry in South Africa is one of the strongest in the world. We've been involved a bit in financial services, the greater financial services. And our financial services industry is one of the better ones in the world. So, so I think that for me gives me the confidence that, that if actuaries were to be more involved in some of these uh, problems that you are uh, referring to, talking about, that there could be a change. And, and, and it, it's in two aspects, um, Hatatso, as you've highlighted. It's not just the technical competence. Um, it's also the professionalism um, by which um, uh, we do our work. Um, I, I, I want to give an invitation to everyone to attend the next talk at 2 o'clock, Public Interest, where we're going to be um, uh, uh, sharing what our experiences have been in the last nine months of the Public Interest role and what some of the challenges we've come across, some of the mindset challenges that we have to deal with as a profession. Um, however smart we are, I have uh, found out that uh, the training that has been provided to us and the way we think can sometimes inhibit us um, when we uh, come across some of these challenges. Um, and as I mentioned, that uh, we need to work in a multidisciplinary way, in, integrated with other professions. We, we have not done enough of that. But I've seen examples of um, when we have done that. I, I worked uh, in, a, in a managed care organization and we worked with, with other professions there. And, and it worked well. So I know we can do that. Uh, I, I, I've got the confidence that if, we, um, if the problem is well-defined, well-understood, the context is well-understood, um, that actuaries can um, really assist and help to, to come up with, with, with solutions. The reason why you have been invited, uh, Sir um, Isaiah and, and, and Hatato, is to um, bring that awareness amongst us of the need for us to be involved. Uh, I think not all of us are convinced that we've, we, we can add value. We think maybe we're not needed, that you, you have it all covered. Although we can see that you're struggling, but um, uh, you know, we don't automatically have the confidence that we can add value in your space. So, 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 so part of um, the, the, the objective of having you here is, is to, to make that clarion call again that 
guys, invest in this. Um, there, there, there may be some of us within the profession may feel that um, this public interest thing is too much. Uh, you know, we, we are focusing too much on it. But I think the points you are making, uh, you, are, you are actually saying maybe we're not focusing enough on it. Maybe we should focus even more on it and, and invest even more on it because it, it is exactly what, what our country needs. So this is my um, contribution at this stage. Thank you. I'd like to add to, to what Lasani said, and I think that um, I'm speaking uh, as much to the people on this side of the room as to the people on that side of the room. We do as a profession state that we act in the public interest. And I think that that's one of the key things as to why we need to be involved in this, because if, if we have skills that we can use in the public interest, we should be doing so. And I think that to some extent we've tended to focus on a much narrower segment of things than we could bring our skill set to, to, to bear on. I also believe that it provides us an opportunity to, for actuaries to, uh, should I use the word showcase, it's not quite the, to get involved, to bring the skill set which I believe that our training gives us um, to, to, the, to, to, to problems that are outside of what we normally deal with. We like to think that we're smart people, which means that we can actually get our heads around some of these challenges. But more importantly, we have to learn the language. And uh, I was privileged uh, a while back to go to New Zealand uh, to visit with the, the New Zealand Actuarial Society, who have got a significant number of their members involved in the public sector. And what was interesting to me is that they weren't involved in Treasury or the regulator. They were involved in the social elements of the government. They were involved in the compensation schemes, both in terms of pricing and in terms of management. They were involved in the social welfare schemes in terms of understanding what the outcomes uh, of long-term liabilities are. But probably the most interesting to me was the latest team that they've created, a team of four actuaries are employed by the Department of Children. And their whole focus is on modeling welfare outcomes of interventions that the welfare department can do in inter interacting with children. So the Department of Children employs four actuaries in New Zealand. But in talking with all of the actuaries that were involved in these areas, they said the first thing we had to do was to sit and listen not come with our understanding and say, we are your saviors, we have your answer, but to come to listen, to learn, and to understand the problems. And that's why I believe the actuarial profession can play a role. But we mustn't come to it with pride. We must come to it with a public service attitude and an attitude that says, teach me what your problems are and let me help you together to try and create a solution. So that would be my little contribution to this debate. Thank you, Peter. Would anybody from the audience want to contribute at this stage? Especially from the perspective that um, Hatato has said that he wants to hear from us. Given the context of what he has just said, 
what, what comes to mind when you, and I'm sure everybody has been listening in the news as to what has been going on with ESCOM. Are there any law hanging fruits that we can think of already um, with the caveat that Peter has just said that we mustn't come in our pompous manner and say we have the solutions without first listening. Would anybody like to contribute what they think potentially is a law hanging fruit that could offer a solution? Then I revert back to my panel. You said, Isaiah, that the closer actuaries understand social, social issues, the better they can provide solutions. To both of you, how can we do that? Okay, so perhaps let me try to highlight some of the spaces where actuaries can play a, a better role. Even within investments in general, where actuaries are supposed to be experts, if you look over the past 10 years, returns have been lower in traditional asset classes, globally so. The shift also from uh, defined benefits to defined contributions put the risks to the pension fund member themselves away from a corporate. Now with low returns, we have 40 stocks on the JSC. Where else can we get better returns which makes sure that people retire comfortably? Private equity infrastructure, is this something that we can do? But also quantifying the multiplier effects on growth and employment of investing in things like infrastructure and private equity relative to investing on the JSC listed companies. What kind of multiplier effects do we have on the JSC? Given your expertise, I think this is one area where we can get more information, where you can actually say you invest in an SPAS or an MTN, these are the multiplier effects on growth, on employment, relative to investing directly into the economy. We don't have those, those set of numbers. But also if you look within the social security system, we have 16 million people that depends on social grants. But what is the actual impact of that social security system. I'm not sure, I haven't looked much on whether there is that kind of research which actually tries to model whether we can do it differently to make sure that the impact is bigger, it is as intended. If you look at NHI currently, which is uh, under discussion, I don't think there is anybody that disagrees that universal health care is a need. But the funding thereof becomes a constraint. 16 million people are taken care of by the private sector at a cost of 250 billion within the private sector. 45 million people approximately, roughly the same cost of 250 billion within the public sector. Surely that can be sustainable. Where are the solutions so that we make sure that Combined, we can have a better system that takes care of a broader society than just those that find themselves within the, the employment space. I think these are, these are questions that we, we don't have the skills for, but you guys have the skills. You can come up with better solutions. You can give us the information. You can give uh, the, the policymakers the information on which to make better policies. But over and above that, I think the private sector have tended to sit back and let the public sector mess up. As long as it doesn't impact the bottom line, 
They don't say anything. I think the private sector has very complicit in that. So we don't propose solutions initially. We criticize without providing alternative solutions of how the public sector can operate, can easy the environment in which the private sector works until something breaks. A lot of discussions taking place currently because something has broken or is close to breaking. That's why there's a lot of noise. But for a long time, there has been very few business leaders, experts like yourselves, that say these are the alternatives of how we can actually prevent things from falling apart. And that's where a lot of you can, can play a role. We don't wait to be asked for solutions. You have the skills, and if the profession says it functions for public benefit, then you have to volunteer to bring the solutions without being asked for the solutions. But within my own narrow network, so far it has always been you are asked for solutions before you provide them. And that is not a, a, a good way to build society. Thank you, ma'am. Before I get to... To, to your question, I think the invitation to all of us, especially the private sector, has been out for quite some time. Um, the, the president in uh, February at his first State of the Nation address came up with the Tumamin um, call, where he basically was saying that if you believe you can contribute, please come forward. And um, as much as I've asked um, that, uh, to hear from you in terms of what you can do, I do appreciate that you'll also have to, to spend some time with us to understand the challenges that we have um, as government uh, across obviously all the, the, whether it's in the economic cluster, the social cluster, security cluster, and so on. So you can, you can see how you could help in addressing the challenges we have and um, it, it's Risengan, uh, the president, Lusani, okay. Well, he, he spoke about the multidisciplinary integrated way of working. And that's what we have called for. I mean, we have developed a joint policy of national treasury where we speak about private sector participation. And we are, in that, we are recognizing that we have to harness both sectors of the economy in solving some of the problems that we have. Uh, I mean, we recognize that some of the challenges that we have had as government is talking to the capabilities that have eroded in the state over a long period of time. And now we are really at, at, the, at a point where we cannot afford to make any further mistakes. Yeah, so if there is capability in the private sector, we need to harness it with this capability that is in other parts of the world, we need to bring it in to, to come and help us out. And that's what I will um, uh, put forward to yourselves to say that, um, you know, there are many uh, programs or projects within government that we are trying to execute without much success. And we have seen some of the capital programs, how we have implemented them, they've actually not helped. They've actually, in some in cases, helped to erode capability in the private industries that were dependent uh, on state-owned companies. Um, 
because we made some very strange decisions where well, we have industrial capability in this country um, to help us um, to provide some of the essential um, uh, infrastructure as well as uh, 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 products that we needed. We opted to go and get them from elsewhere in the world uh, because of the middlemen issues in some instances. Um, you have seen with the Transnet, with the 1064, you've seen what has happened there. We have seen Midupi and Kusile uh, are with us today because of some of the decisions that we have made. Now, we are trying now to understand the extent of the challenges that we have then, what the solution should be. I would like to think that there are some amongst you that could come and help us out. And uh, we have not engaged with this um, society in the past, uh, but there's no reason why we cannot engage more extensively uh, with yourselves. We have the Engineering um, Council of South Africa has helped us out in terms of some of the uh, investigations that we had to conduct by providing uh, skilled people to come and help us out. We have had, for instance, um, um, one of the law societies providers with potentials for um, of potential people that should be considered for for sitting on some of our boards, and we've appointed some of them. So there's no reason why some of you cannot come and help us out. And maybe embracing also the issue of Tumamina, um, we have an SAA problem this morning. Maybe some of you can come and help us out on that particular one. And the point that I'm making is that there are many issues in each department if you have to go and and engage with them, you'll find this particular problem. We are trying to build public services um, in the rural areas of our country, but our people are moving to the, to the metros, to the metropolitan areas. You know, maybe some of you can come and help us out in terms of location of those public services. Maybe you can model the migration of our people better so that we can build a head of demand instead of what we are doing now when the demand is upon us that's when we're trying to uh, to build these facilities the issue of inequality is not going away in actual fact it's getting worse um, that's an area that you can help us out as government because if we don't address it we are, someone said that the next revolution that we're going to have in this case is not going to be the fourth industrial revolution or the fifth industrial revolution. It's going to be those young people rising up against all of us here. So help us to solve those particular problems. Avail yourselves. Um, other professional organizations have done so, and there's no reason why yourselves cannot um, come and speak to us. But certainly from um, a mass side, um, a memory is that if the a couple of viewers to say, Khatas, we need to have a meeting with public enterprise to see with your entities and some of the work that you are doing, how we can help. The door will definitely be opened. And as you all are aware, my minister is crazy about numbers. Uh, um, and I'm sure he would want to tap into some of the expertise that is here. For instance, one of the questions that you always ask me is, Khatas, how come I cannot anticipate these problems? How come the problem is always upon us and we have to do something? What are some of the lead indicators that you could have in these businesses that I could be able to say, you know, uh, you're going to get grounded this morning, SAA, or rather in a week's time, SAA, if you don't do something and something can be done. You're going to have load shading in two weeks' time if you don't do something. So that kind of 
the modeling expertise that you have could help us a great deal. But I think you, I think um, uh, you also need to educate us a little bit more in terms of what, also what you are capable of, uh, and hopefully you can use the language that we'll understand. Thank you. I think at this stage I'm going to open for any questions or comments. There's a hand here. Thank you. Um, I think this question is mostly to Isaiah, since you spoke a lot about um, social issues. And I think really, uh, just from the topic of today and obviously the audience, um, what would you say are maybe top three or top five of the current social issues in South Africa that you think will help the economy grow and where you also think that actuaries can add value? be it by being um, solving the problems themselves or you know building models or whatever form that we could be involved in so i think the social issues of the country are well ventilated we have poverty we have unemployment we have inequality perhaps those are the three biggest problems that we have and if we don't solve them um, as Katato said, the next revolution is going to be the young people that are unemployed that rises against all of us that are employed. For some reason, there may be reluctance to solve these issues because we are well, um, we are in secure spaces in high walls. So it doesn't impact us, therefore it's not our duty to make sure that it's better. But if we don't, the fires that we saw in Jobek, in Ekuruleni, in Pretoria, will come to Santin, ultimately. It's unsustainable to have 16 million people depend on social grants. It's unsustainable at all. So, yes, the public sector needs to do something. They need to hire the right people because they're doing the hiring. Um, but they also need to change how the different professions are rewarded for the work they do. For instance, people that become teachers are the, those that couldn't become actuaries, for instance. But they are in charge of teaching a whole generation new skills. So how can we change that? That falls into the public sector as um, role. But I guess you know better your skills I don't because I'm not an actuary. And if you know your skills, you know where best to apply them. You are not removed from society. You live amongst poverty. Across the freeway from here is Alexander. So it's almost surprising in a way to say where, where are the biggest problems that the actual profession can solve. You live amongst the people. You know the problems. You drive past them. You know the issues. Find a way to apply your skills in the problems that we have. There has been a call to provide solutions or to this Tumamina call by the president. Currently, the NHI is in discussion. How many actuaries personally take time to look through the NHI, and write proposals. As economists, I know quite a number of people that provided uh, responses and suggestions to the minister's uh, strategic document. 
said invested time through the night, we wrote uh, possible solutions and we submitted. How many actuaries do that in the issues that we, we currently have? Do we only devote time to our entities that we work for or we go over and above and provide a public service or duty to, to actually make sure that things work properly? So all in all, all I'm saying is I'm not going to give you a list of where you can play a role. You know your skills as actuaries, identify a number of areas where you can apply those skills and solve an existing problem. Because at the end of the day, if you're not solving a societal problem, you don't have a business entity. Every business entity exists or survives because it solves one or more of society's problems. And problems are many. Just see where you can apply them. Any other questions? There's a follow-up question over there. Right here in front. Sorry for the follow-up, but I think maybe you must have misunderstood my question. Um, it's not that I'm saying we don't understand the issues, and I guess this is from a personal perspective to say, you know, as a black woman in the context of this now South Africa, there are issues that are closer to me and there are issues that are more macro level. So I guess my question was really not to say that I don't understand what the issues are, but I think oftentimes what happens is, like you said, we focus on the issues that are you know, closer to us. So for example, I'll be a black woman who is an actuary one day, um, and in 2019, my focus will be more on like gender-based violence, right? So the reason I was asking you is because I think you are more at a macro level uh, as an economist and with the job that you do. So it was just really to get a, an aeroplane view of what you think are the critical issues that I maybe need to then move away from what my personal issues are, more to those, which I think you have answered. Perhaps to the three that I mentioned, which is poverty, unemployment, and inequality, you can aid climate change to that. What I also want to say is that, to add to that, is the integration of this economy into the rest of the continent. Uh, we should not underestimate that. Um, underestimate that. The growth that we seek is going to come from the rest of the continent. The developments that are going on around the Great Lakes area, as well as in DRC, should be of relevance to us here in South Africa. What we have been able to achieve here in Gauteng uh, with the discovery of gold in the 1880s, that's what can be done for the rest of the continent. We know how to get it done as a country. Um, the, the existence of ESCOM, the existence of what was called ESCO, the existence of what is now Transnet, as a direct product of the discoveries that were done here. Now, I would say to some of you, please take the time to go and find out about a province called Katanga in DRC. The riches that are there dwarf what was found here in Gauteng. Now, with that, what is it then possible for Southern Africa. 
the SADAC has defined integration uh, milestones for itself. It's not doing great in terms of achieving those. The AU has achieved 20, Agenda 2063. I think as a society, um, uh, uh, you need to engage with those topics. You need to go and, and sit down with those um, organizations and say, how can we help you to achieve these goals? Because these are noble goals. And we need to, to fight to ensure that that world that is on this continent remains on this continent. And we need to, as South Africans, I think, realize that um, you know, the opportunities, actually we need to travel up north. Maybe some of our brothers and sisters come down, we should be going up. Because that's where, um, that's where the, the, the answers to some of the challenges that have been mentioned by, by Isaiah are going to be resolved from. Because we are, uh, we are exhausting some some of the resources that we have in this uh, uh, part of the world. So that's what I will leave you with to say. I think let's let's maybe uh, in terms of mindset, let's maybe focus outside a little bit more uh, as well and see how we can help to solve those. Um, I've also mentioned that the Millennium Developmental Goals. I think those are also important. Those we need if you are going to improve the quality of life of our people. And on the continent, we need to see how professionals like yourselves can help in that regard. Thank you. Um, I, so I have a question. Yes. A comment. Um, thanks. Uh, my name is Khorisa Mokanyane. And um, I just wanted to commend Asaba for having this session. Um, I think it would have been nicer if we knew what the session was about in advance, because I think the room would be fuller. Because uh, most people want to help, uh, most people want to be relevant in society, but we just no, don't know how. So for me, um, there was a point in my career where I decided to get involved in society, so beyond the actual profession, to understand what, actuaries, what value actuaries can add in the public sector. And what I have found is that often we are misunderstood because we don't understand the environment ourselves. Um, for example, uh, in terms of how we are trained, we often think in a more European way. So even when we come through as, for example, a black actuary, you still, you're not necessarily thinking in a more Afrocentric way even though you studied in South Africa and you even lived in a township, but how you approach the question or the problem, you are approaching it as someone who doesn't understand the environment. So when Isaiah was saying, you know, we live across poverty to some extent, just across the M1, so you do know people that are struggling in Alex, you could try and help, see how you can apply your actuarial techniques, but if you're training, uh, or if you find it hard to translate your training into the environment you're in, then you can't apply your training. So I think there may be some gap in terms of our training or in terms of um, how we apply ourselves as actuaries in order to be relevant. And it's not actually just actuaries. So what I found in my journey was that because I was also relating with other professionals, accountants, investments, professionals. And I remember once we were looking at the, um, the financial bill um, 
um, yeah, I think it is coffee, um, where uh, National Treasury was looking at introducing the two pillars uh, model of regulating financial services companies, but no one was actually talking about transformation in that whole discussion. And you had APSIP, ABASA, BMF, all commenting on that legislation, but no one was actually trying to also Africanize it to some extent. And I think when we are not always conscious of the environment we're in, we'll always find ourselves lacking and we'll come up with perfect solutions that are not applicable in the environment. So I think to some extent, we also need to self-introspect as a profession and other professions also need to do the same. So I'm not saying actuaries are behind, but I'm just saying we need to be more futuristic and lead in that way. Thanks. Thanks, Rodiso. Are there any further questions? So on that note, I'm going to close. I must say that, Rodiso, your final comments were quite relevant, uh, especially in the sense that there's been, even in the, in the uh, previous session we had last year, we spoke of professionals having a political and social consciousness. And in fact, when Hatatso speaks of institutions where we have the whether or not we have the right people in the right um, the right people in this running the institutions have we deployed the best among us brings to question to say without having a consciousness of how exactly politicians operate how would we be able to then develop those systems that you're talking about that check that the best people are in place but I thank you for both for your time and we have a small gift as a token of Appreciation. I hope it's not more than 300 <laughs> it's, it's not more than 300 <laughs> Thank you. On that note, that is the close of our session. Thank you so much for coming.